Hi everyone, welcome to Her Bold Story. I'm Inga Davids, your host. Her Bold Story is a show that amplifies women's stories about leadership, career, empowerment, and everything in between. Thanks for tuning in to episode eight. I can't believe it's our final episode already of the first season of Her Bold Story. We've featured phenomenal stories to date, and today, helping us wrap up season one, is Pam McIlvain. Pam McIlvain is an experienced executive who has demonstrated leadership skills in both corporate and entrepreneurial business sectors. Her passion and experience has created a legacy that contributes to supporting leaders and companies that make substantial impact for change. Being a woman of influence is not an easy task. It comes with many learnings along the journey, and we rarely see or hear about the journey of grit, perseverance, and dedication. When one woman raises the bar, it raises the bar for every other woman to be brave, to be bold, and to be inspired to do the same. When women's voices are heard, when we participate in decision-making and are part of leadership, we have the ability to bring something unique, special, and of value to make impact. Today, we'll be exploring this topic with Pam. Welcome, Pam, to Her Bold Story. We're so happy to have you joining us today. Oh, thank you so much, Inga. I guess we can just get diving right into it around leadership. Um, My first question to you, Pam, is what do you believe it takes to be a successful leader? You know, and I've been thinking about this, Inga, because I know you. we talked about this before. I really believe um, probably four major um, components. Uh, first, being humble. I really believe uh, leaders should be humble. They should be vulnerable because the connection of vulnerability and being humble, you as that genuine person, lets you really be um, authentic in terms of your connection to others. I really think you need to be expert in your discipline and be able to recognize others that are more um, uh, expert in the areas that they bring to the table. So it's having the ability to connect with Mm -hmm. other um, expert leaders and combine your expertise with theirs that allows for innovation and creation and and then finally i I just think um ultimately i guess this is more of a responsibility but leaders should just inherently pay it forward they think they should be in a position where it should be of servitude always wanting to not just make themselves better but to better let others be better for knowing them for being around them um regardless Mm -hmm. it's psychological um emotional uh, philanthropical or mm. financial, just being in a place to continually improve yourself and others. And I know that's a lot, but those are the four buckets that I think um, leadership falls in. Yeah. Are these your guiding principles in terms of leadership for yourself? And how has that maybe, how is that jo- journey, I guess, to coming to this point of wisdom, when you look back, reflect back on your own journey, how did this unfold for you through your through your journey of leadership? Um, so, so yes, it's definitely part of my guiding principles, including um, I think resiliency. If you mm-hmm. want to add, there's a couple other things I might add to the to guiding principles at this to the point and stage of where I am now to be celebrating uh, 25 years next year as an entrepreneur. So I think leaders have to create psychological safety and and it always hasn't been there for me. When you're looking to take risk um, in doing new things that are either may or may not be innovative to helping move you forward, um, you have to have a stabilizing force and foundation for yourself. So for me, just the person that I am, I, I care about others. Um, and not just being a woman and a natural innate um uh, to, to innately, I guess, nurture others. But I, I always care. For me, people that are successful around me, then I feel mm-hmm. successful. And, and that's just what it means to me. So I have to have a level of empathy. I have to be able to connect. So connection, building relationship is, is really critical for me um, in, in a leadership role. Being able to also 
uh, connect with other disciplines and expertises around me helps me leverage and push people forward. It does mm -hmm. help get them to their next, their best they can be, which is part of what I want to do. That's, that's part of what I want to bring out in individuals to create their own legacies and be the best they can be in knowing mm -hmm. me. And so part of the me wanting to uh, establish, you know, what do I have to do consistently? Well, you've got to practice. Um, I mean, you may not hear leaders say, wow, you're talking about practicing. You have to practice your craft. Um, I sometimes even have to practice listening to others because I want to hijack a conversation with my own enthusiasm, but realizing I can't do that. Leadership technique that, you know, that's a good thing, actually. It's yeah. one that you need to model. People want to know, how do you model, you know, good leadership, mm. inclusive leadership? What does that look like? Well, you know, as long as you can recognize your shortcomings <laughs> in mm. the ability, in your ability to, um, to be in leadership in that moment, I mean, that, that's modeling, you know, being mm. able to take feedback from others when um, you're, you know, people don't necessarily see you at your best and you may think that their perception is reality. So being able to, to own and um, hear someone else's truth about how you're leading and be able to adjust your style so that you become even better and more inclusive. So that's the practice it takes. It takes being able to do that. So I have to practice, you know, um, not being so excited about, you know, being here with you and letting you, you know, um, soar and then enjoy that, internalize that and enjoy that, but let you be the one out front. And because, mm. you know, as a leader, you're used to being out front and then being humble, you know, recognizing that people may not feel as comfortable in being around you because they recognize the title comes with authority. Mm. So helping folks know that they can express uh, their truths and their, their authentic selves with you in a safe place. And sometimes people do. They express more than I want them to. But, <laughs> but nonetheless, they know they can do that. So when I think of the guiding principles, you know, it's being resilient. Um, for me, failure has never mm -hmm. been an option. So the failing forward is a reality that I've learned to, what's the lesson in it? And, and so as long as I can take the lesson out of it and then take that part of it, take that part mm -hmm. of what I've learned to the next level, then, you know, that's foundational for me, being as honest and authentic as I can. And I like feedback. I like it all kinds of ways. I love feedback because that's the only way you're, you know, that's intelligence that's going to help you uh, become either a better leader, more informed leader, uh, mm. a more global, comprehensive, inclusive leader. Um, so feedback is, is one of the, the, the guiding principles for me. Mm -hmm. I love that. You've touched on so many key points, Pam, around just around titles, how people may experience you based on title and whether they're going to open themselves up to have just a normal conversation with Pam or do I need to put on my best behavior? Do I have to put on a mask? You also touched on, on the point of when we're leading, I mean, both of us are very enthusiastic people. And I'm even in the point that you said around listening, I was like, doing this podcast right now is the biggest lesson for me in listening instead of talking over somebody else as well and hijacking their thoughts. So that really resonated with me. And then also that point around when, when you're leading to lead from the back, it's, it's sometimes difficult to put yourself at the back when you're so used to leading from the front um, and allowing that person to shine. And you also talked about um, failure and failing forward and failure wasn't an option for you. And I think maybe let's, so I'm going to pick at some of these points and maybe we can just tease them apart. But I'd like to start around failure and why, why was failure not an option for you? And, and when did you come, I guess, into the point of, well, if failure is not an option, but I can still view failure as a way to fail forward and to learn from that experience. Can you tell us a bit more I can't, and, you know, and it started for me at 14 years old. I, I share something really personal with you, Inga. I lost mm. my mother um, um, in a tragic way, very young. I was grateful to have grandparents that were able to um, raise me and my five other siblings. And, and I, at 14, mm. I said, oh my gosh, I, I have to graduate high school with honors. I have to get a scholarship to go to college. I have to get a good position. I have to do all these things to help my grandmother and grandfather 
um, to continue to be successful and holistic in the family. So mm. I recognized very early I was not, but then I was a high achieving little thing anyway. Yeah. But I did recognize that I, I, I didn't, I couldn't fail. I needed to do what was necessary in addition mm. to owning the home life, which my grandmother taught me incredible. So I had missed a generation there. So I got incredible wisdom mm. from a grandmother um, and watching all these life things unfold. And so I didn't really have a fear of failure. It just mm. kind of became one of those lessons learned. I'll, I'll just be real. I never even really considered it, but I read a lot about failure. I, I mean, failing forward is not my mm. words. Um, taking lessons from failing are not my words. These are things that I've read about. And then mm. I said, I need to resonate when something doesn't work. And, and when someone doesn't work for you, in a, in a relationship or in a position, they'll be a better person. They may soar someplace else. Um, I've been terminated uh, or uh, not necessarily terminated per se, but definitely say, Hey, looks like, you know, this isn't going to work for us, this particular position in my career. And, you know, felt a bit devastated. Cause I'm like, Oh wow. Mm. Never looked at it as failure. I'm like, it's okay. It's your loss. Let me learn what happened yeah. here. And you know, micro inequities and aggressions and what's going on today is what was happening then. And so all I did was went to the next level opportunity and learned in that environment what maybe I didn't navigate as well to be in the next <laughs> environment. It was just a mantra that for me, I, I couldn't. It was going backwards. You needed to, if, if this didn't work out, you needed to be able to take from that, take it apart, understand that what part was you, own that part that was you. And then, you know, throw the rest of it out the door and build on what you're building going forward. So that's why for me, it was never an option. It was an experience. It was a learning event that occurred mm -hmm. and you learn from that and go forward. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. That point of accountability to double check. Okay. What happened in the situation, but also then to step forward and then to go, okay, what's next? Because this is ultimately an opportunity. The door closes and now the door opens. Um, okay. But the way you view failing forward and the lessons learned has obviously helped you kind of navigate your career and make these big jumps. Um, can you tell us more about just how you've, you've managed to do that? I mean, you worked in corporate and then you started your own thing. That, that takes a lot of courage. Um, can you tell us about the journey and also tell us where you get that courage from to step, to const I mean, with anything, you're constantly stepping outside of a comfort zone because I guess that's the only way you elevate yourself and get better. So, so can you tell us where you draw that strength, that courage to do this, to have done this? Thank you for that. And you, I mean, you said it, you said constantly stepping out of the comfort zone and I'm going to have to quote you from that for that. I will say that that's been a part of where I, um, where I reigned. It's a part of where I have developed always in an uncomfort, in an, in an uncomfort zone, in a place of unfamiliarity in a place of, of um, risk-taking. I mean, when my, I mean, it started very young. When we are the siblings, I was there to support. So not only to go to college, but to um, uh, continue to help raise my siblings, you know, because you're talking about generation removed. So with grandmothers, mm -hmm. so a sister also being a parent and, mm -hmm. and then deciding, you know, to even leave California because corporate America required uh, people, uh, young people that were going to be on the management track, you had to be mobile. So mm. very young, I said, oh, wow, if I'm going to go to the next mm. level in the industry, I have to leave my wonderful state of California. I have to go travel and live in other mm. cities that are unknown to me by myself, not where I have family. So very young, um, I had to step out and and compete and and not necessarily with white women but with white men and mm -hmm. knowing that I was as qualified but had to continue to be in a place of uh, proving that I was just as good but but not afraid of hard work and not afraid of being innovative so that helped me stand out and and being really an, an insurance industry an insurance executive is where I landed. And I remember it now I've been out of the industry, um, you know, for more than 20 years, but I, they offered me jobs up until five years ago when you come be president. I mean, just because the movement, it hadn't changed that much, but my work allows me to be very familiar 
with what's happening within those industries. So I, I think it it really um, it's just a part of uh, just just where my experiences were. So the tenacity mm-hmm. uh, was you know it's always there. Also, I was an athlete, so always competing. Um, at every level, always, and I was a small-framed um, person, I'm a small-framed person that was playing basketball. So I was competing with these big women, just, they were like, you are tenacious, I've never seen anything like, but it was the job at hand. I'm like, I'm quick, my hands are, my feet are fast, and, and my hands are quick, and, you know, I can shoot, and I can do these things, I can think, I can strategize, mm. so... I need to be in a place where I can soar. And I think that that part of is where I felt within corporate America, I was ahead of that game. I felt they didn't recognize um, the level of talent. And I did get to a place where, you know, I still could have, you know, I was at a pretty senior level. So I guess I could have created an environment, but there's still as long as it's someone else's um, organization um, someone else's vision, you still aren't able to mold, you know, what you want and the level of creativity that you want people. I remember in my own departments, I, people would say, I can't believe everybody's getting promoted out of your, de- I just can't believe this. Cause I wanted everyone to do and be the best of themselves um, while I was doing it. So I was mm. enjoying it for them. And then, and then for me, but the constant was, I mean, tell, I tell you, if it, if it, Failed. Let's just failure. I mean, if that project failed, didn't let's say didn't work out, I just sat back and looked at it and said, "Okay, how do I need to readjust? What's the new game plan? Who are the new players?" Always recognizing I couldn't do it by myself. That was very real for me. I needed allies. I needed you know supporters. I needed for all levels for both um, for me as a leader as well as from those organizations with capital that would mm. invest and trust what we were doing. And so um, it, it, it just was a, a, I mean, as it is today, it's, it's a constant learning cycle. And mm. as long as I had a vision of being a strategist, so I always knew where I was going, always knew where I wanted to be. And mm. even when it was a one, I was a company of one, of course now, um, <laughs> We're uh, way bigger than that, but yeah. uh, I did a strategic plan with just me. <laughs> so, so making the transition, I made it for yeah. personal reasons. You know, I wanted to have a family. Um, I knew I wanted to do a business, didn't know what business. And then I had, you know, I had colleagues mm. and friends that talked me through things, that have opportunities um, that led me to publishing through partnership. Uh, that that helped me get there. And then after a decade of that, I said, I want to do more than that. I want to be more diverse. I, and really the last five years of our strategic plan where we're able to build out the three brands, we have the, the, the media, the research, and the, the benchmarking, and the, um, the learning solutions uh, came out of strategy, being agile, having the agility and flexibility uh, to, to move with the market and be okay with the change and be okay that you know people will move on and don't take it personally and so those are you know so those are some of the the mantras i've thought about you know my own psychological safety you know how much risk can you take before you know you feel um unsafe and that was something that became inherent and innate for me so i knew my my threshold and um and I also, you know, I learned that though. That's something I learned over time. I mean, the transition, from me, you know, ha- managing payroll that was generated by another company versus me managing payroll that my company did that I knew if I laid someone off, oh my God, I personally was mm. not giving them, you know, I was cutting off their livelihood or something. So just as an entrepreneur, saying, you know, I really take care of these people. So if something does happen that I can't keep them, I want to make sure they can take care of themselves somewhere else. So mm-hmm. it's just a combination of taking everything you have in, in life to where you are, learning from that and, and moving forward. That's why the constant, you know, continuing um, cycle of, mm-hmm. of learning and growth is, um, I think that it's, 
just what keeps the transformation going. And I think ultimately I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I knew at some point it just happened sooner than later. I just, and corporate America at that time, you talked about the transition. I was just working like I was a single young woman working like a man. They didn't have what they had today. And so Mm -hmm. made that decision that I wanted to be on my own, to have a family and, and figure out what I wanted to do. And I figured it out. As I went along, I was just prepared for whatever that opportunity would be. Mm-hmm. I hope there's some of that. I, I love that. And I love particularly, I mean, in each of those gateways, each of those milestones of yours, Pam, around continual learning, take the time to strategize, take the time to think about the future, and then implement or execute. That's what I'm hearing. A lot of growth mindset is so important to leadership and something that you've continually been doing. Yeah, and taking the time to step back and reflect. I mean, um, mm. you talk about all leaders, um, all strategists are not implementers, and all um, ep- implementers are not executors. So they're very mm. different things. And um, my leaders, my mentors used to say, wow, you know, you're, you have vision, you have strategy, you can implement, you can execute, you know, and, and those are the things that make really great entrepreneurs yeah. um, and, or getting those people around you. And there's faults to that, too, because some of us like, oh, I want to be in it and um, in the business and not out of the business. And I'm at a point where I want to be out of the business, not Mm. in the business because you have good people. But it is, um, you know, leadership is uh, someone once told me that um, leadership are are people wanting, choosing to follow you, Um, Mm. not that you not that you are electing them to follow. So you don't create your own following. People follow you because they believe what you represent. And um, Mm -hmm. someone else shared with me, if you really want to know your true following, um, you don't need more than a thousand true followers. See who will follow you when you believe you have nothing to Mm -hmm. share and see who your true followers will be because they believe you have everything to share. And I said, hmm. you know, so you can have a million people in your subscription base, like we do our database. Yeah. And um, if you get a thousand of them that will be with you always, no matter what, then those are your, your true followers and those people that you truly represent leadership to. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and I think, intuitively good leaders should think about how they model what they do um, because someone's going to emulate that and being with children, which I spend a lot of time helping young children and mentoring um, that helps you reflect on what you need to, you know, be more uh, positive about where you need to be more, um, reflective about in terms of how you're showing up for them, what they may see that you're not necessarily, you know, um, cognizant of in that moment. So, you know, so I, um, I just think that, you know, leadership, I mean, there's the academic, right. There's the, the academic uh, perspective and how it's defined um, as leaders, but it's, it's really how you, actually show up every day, every moment, every day. And where that continuity is shared from a person you just meet to ones that known you forever can say, you know, that is that. She is that same person. You, She's authentic. She's going to be helpful. She'll give you what you need when you need it. And I leave it, you know, I am spiritual, you know, and I, I, leave, I believe paying it forward comes back to you. I believe that positive energy will come back to you as long as you just give it. Be that blessing mm-hmm. to that next person. Those are my mantras and some of the things that I live by. I love, I love particularly what you said around um, just the way you show up. Because often you find leaders that, that do teeter between, you know, one day it's the sort of leader and the next day, it's it's another and there's this inconsistency which makes 
which makes many then doubt, okay, what, what sort of leader are you? I mean, looking back at your journey, Pam, has there ever been a, a moment when, when you've been maybe um, at the beginning of your leadership journey and you've seen other leaders that actually don't show up um, consistently and maybe, that, maybe how it's also influenced you to do that more, more consistently because you've seen how it's failed, looking from, I guess, the outside in? That's a really powerful question. And I will say I haven't had, and I've had some, I will say, more peers failed me Mm. than leaders. Uh, But I have watched people fail others. I have watched Mm. them not show up when they said they would tell me one thing and and do something different. So the the impact on me is that you need to show up. If you said you're going to do this, you better figure out how to do it. And then if Mm. you can't do it, you need to um, set up the framework or set up the stage where by you can go back and say, this is when we'll do it. This is how we'll do it. But because there was an interruption there, Mm. let me own that disruption and get us back on track. And I don't, I won't rest if that doesn't happen. So, um, but for me, that's really important. I've seen the impact it's had on children when mm. people don't do that. I've seen the impact of peers in this DNI space that, um, you know, the level of being of enviousness and not mm. taking each other's strength to move forward. That, that doesn't all happen here. We have a lot of people in leadership roles that aren't doing the best, the good for others. You know, kind of think about, you know, who didn't show up for me in my life? Why my, my mother and father might not have shown up for me as consistently as they should have. My grandmother and grandfather did in a way that gave me a strength that, you know, second to none and why I probably look at things uh, the way I do. I mean, she would always say, um, you know, we can make, you know, a dollar out of 15 cents. (laughs) And that means, you know, spread it among wealth and get what we needed. But I, I, I just think those values, um, those early wisdom, just let me see it. And, and I, I guess I've been lucky in my career. I must say I've been lucky in my career. And, and I just have really good people that believed yeah. in me and that, you know, um, I don't want to say that the, the business road hasn't been tough and there hasn't been blocks and barriers and mm-hmm. obstacles Absolutely, there have been, mm-hmm. but and you know, as competitive and doggy dog as it could be, yeah. But being, you have to have more than just passion, you know, to move you forward. You, you do have to have the uh, commitment, the skill, the resilience, mm-hmm. the network, and all these things um, to you know to keep it to keep it going. But I, I, I just said, um, I think I, I just really believe that. What I say, I'm going to try my best to to do it. And yeah. then if I can't, I want to be in front of it so that mm-hmm. I don't leave um, too much negative energy on that and that benefactor, on that yeah. person that will be impacted by it. And so, um, and you know, so and so for me, if it went well, this age, I, I really, I really move on. <laughs> it just really <laughs> leaves nothing on me. But for me, before. It, 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 it was a wow factor. It's like, yeah. wow, I never thought, really, they did that. I'm like, okay, so there's people mm. that wears a mask, they wear a mask, and Jeez. something else is behind that mask, and you just now need to, so maybe more cautious and, and definitely patient and careful in hearing what people say and watch what they do and, um, and understand what they want from me, you know, um, mm always want a lot from me fewer people do more for me than I do and so it's just humbling when there are those that like oh I, I don't want you to just give I want to give too mm. um, 100%. so there's enough of them to there's enough good people in leadership roles doing great things to you know supersede those that are um, that wear the mask yes correct and I mean uh, through that Pam you mentioned they are you've got this great support structure or you've had a great support structure throughout your journey. How did you build that support structure? How can some of the listeners also practically go about making sure that 
regardless of the barrier, regardless of the setback, as long as I have these people around me, I can pivot, I can change, I can find opportunity. How, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's real simple. Um, you give value where it's, where it's unexpected. Mm-hmm. I mean, you show up when they need you. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you don't, um, mm-hmm. and you're genuine about it. And you, and you don't charge people. And an example for me, I mean, people, they, they, they say, you're, Pam, you're one of the you know, most resource and connected people we know in this space. And um, sometimes people will be in job transition and others like, oh, you don't, you're not with that big company anymore. I don't want to talk to you right now. Let me know when you have a budget. And to me, I I think people are the biggest asset in transition because they get to reflect on what they've done and and pull out some of the best of what they uh, are and can be Mm -hmm. in next opportunity and so i think helping them in vulnerable states is it's uh, really important that's where people need it most and i just i don't know i just like doing that and that's just just giving that's a that's an inherent natural thing for me to do and i would say if it's hard for people to do that you know we'll find a way to do that find a way to give value to others before they ask you for find take the time to build the relationship i know when i'm talking to new executives and they're like so how much does it cost and I'm like we're just building a relationship we're getting to know each other you know i know my ip cost today. Yeah. <laughs> it's cost to have a conversation with but you know but it doesn't you know we're, we're, we're yeah. really genuinely getting to know each other and, and I think, you know, I'll walk away. I mean, I'm at a point too, and I was there a decade ago where if I felt an organization or those leaders in that organization, and this might've been a bold of me, but I clearly felt if you didn't represent the values that I represent, I said, you know, I'll wait for the next leader because I'll outlast you. I did. I have a little arrogance that takes a little arrogance that I will still be running my company when you're looking for another job. Mm. That happened time and time and time and time again. Mm. So I too, you know, elect who I mm. work with because I want people with values. And and then I think if you're a genuine and a real person that lives by your code and by your creed, people see that and that resonates. And so they're like, you know, when I used to ask some of my peers, I said, so so why aren't, why aren't they inviting me to this table? They said, Pam, because they know you're no nonsense. They know this is how you're going to do it. And they, they want to manipulate who's ever at that table. I said, well, thank you for sharing uh-huh. that with me. So that is awesome because I will not be manipulated knowingly. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So exactly. I, I think that's part, you know, and, and so value quickly connects with value, you know, and great leaders, whether they're doing it right or wrong, mm. they, they want to do the right thing. And so if you tap them on the shoulder, like for me, then, you know, I'll step back and listen and reflect and say, okay, how can I be better? How can I do better by this? Mm. And I change about what I'm doing. So I make sure, you know, that I um, don't do it again and that I make sure that it resonates with, with where I'm leading. Um, so, I, I, I do believe um, genuinely just caring and wanting to help others. Um, being an ally, being yeah. in solidarity, uh, people just need that. And if that's your approach, people will connect with that with you. And, and that's just, that's mm. just what's worked for me. Uh, and, it's, and it's not a gimmick. It's just who I am. And, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it anyway. Because ultimately, I want people to leave good, positive legacies for the next generation. I want people, you know, just, you know, what you're doing. I want you to feel good about your next project, your Mm -hmm. next opportunity, that you get the most out of it. And it does nothing to um, belittle what you've done. It's just a circumstance that you find part of. And then you yeah. move, and that way, and you, and, and you know, for me, I want to keep a positive um, connection. Doesn't have to be the very best, but hmm. let's keep a positive connection. You know, separating so you can always come back. Yeah, I guess that also what you what you said also speaks to that aspect of abundance. 
there's enough to go around for all of us to help each other and to pay it forward. It comes back to your point around paying it forward. If I can make, if I can make somebody feel great from the experience that they've had from me in terms of leadership or just, just a normal human experience, if I can make them feel yes. great, yes. I'll leave them with that and hopefully they can make somebody else feel great and they'll pay it forward. Mentor, coach, whatever that is. Um, yeah, I, I, love, I love what you said also about the value systems. Because yes. if we are in, if we are congruent and we are in the same journey, it makes working together easy. It makes everything just that's where the intent comes comes from in every interaction. Um, yeah, it, I I love that sort of authentic, unapologetically yourself sort yeah. of leadership because that's where I lead myself from. And if it doesn't resonate with you that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So, mm. And you know, and I will add this when you said intentionality, I haven't thought about it, but you know, intention today and, and leaders need to define what that means to them. You know, mm. how does, how, and not just, Oh, being thoughtful, but, but how do you intentionally show up? What does intention look like even more so than ever before as organizations are trying to define um, what we need to be intentional about? I mean, saying it is just like saying a commitment to one thing, providing, well, we're committed to providing resources so these events can occur to help people in our workplace, our workforce. Well, intention could be, will I still be there when it's very difficult when, or when the door gets shut in my face? Am I still mm -hmm. going to be, be that advocate? Am I still going to show up, speak up, you know, stand out? the way I need to be to make sure I have women, I push forward women of color when it's not comfortable. You know, mm. can people describe what your, what you were, what your intent was? Can they say, Oh yes, Pam was intentional about doing this. This is what I know her leadership drives these things forward. And so, you know, I, I think um, the act of leading and people following is one one scenario. The other thing is people are saying with what everything that's happened societally, globally, not just with the pandemic, but the, mm. con the, the continuance issues of race relations, who are the leaders that are not for propaganda and not for, uh, you know, position, but who are the leaders, you know, with some level of privilege, right? There's mm. all those with white privilege and those, those, those of us that have some level of privilege, mm position or what have you are being intentional to drive impact to make that difference. So putting them place themselves in a place of, of discomfort and, um, and risk that mm -hmm. allows the movement to change. And so to me, you know, what have you done around that? How does that show up for you? And how does others see that? The Amazon CEO says your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Mm -hmm. What are they saying about you? when you're not in the room about supporting, you know, the vision of, you know, global collectiveness. So yeah, when you said that intention just kinds of, <laughs> that brings up a lot for me when I think about that. For sure. I mean, yeah, intentionality is, so, I don't even know if intentionality is a word, but let's go with it. It's, a, <laughs> it's so important. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. got, so important in everything, I guess, that you do in, in what you put out, your product, your delivery, your outcomes, your strategy to be intentional. And also, I guess, to understand your why as part of whatever you are doing, why are you doing it? Um, I know, Pam, you mentioned throughout your journey, you've obviously sat at, at these executive tables, predominantly around men, with men. How have you navigated that space of probably most likely being the only woman and woman of color probably at these tables? How, how, how did you navigate that space? How did it feel? Um, what advice, I guess, do you have for other women of color coming, either aspiring or coming into that space? Um, how do we uh. take up the space? Well, I tell you, in my career in corporate America, I didn't know any better um, mm. <laughs> at that time. It's really different today. Mm. I, I didn't really know any better because I was given an opportunity and I thought I was given the opportunity because I was good and mm. I had a voice and they wanted to hear what I said. And I actually, I was running P&L, so I was actually achieving. So, um, yes, I was experienced being the only woman, the only woman of color, the only black woman. So um, 
I was very comfortable because white males were my mentors and my sponsors and they were excited about the work I did. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's what excited them. They were like, we mm -hmm. love the way you think. We love the way you get work done. We love the way you manage. We love the way you grow people. And that, those were the conversations um, that I had. So that, that says today, that's that real sponsor, yes. that real ally, that real advocate that puts you in those positions and provides those opportunities and assignments that allows mm -hmm. you to be um, that person in those rooms. I mean, mm -hmm. it was incredible because I did, you know, and I did get agitation and, and confrontation with white males that weren't comfortable with having me mm -hmm. there. And they did try to um, to push me out. And, and I just pushed back. I could. I knew who, I, who was in my corner. But I also recognized and understood uh, my point of view and what was necessary. And I was dealing with someone that was struggling with change. So I, I recognized, you know, who was around that table. So today, we catapult to today, I'm in a different position. I'm a person of expertise. They bring me to the table to have yeah. the tough conversation. And, and so I ask for permission when I'm talking to the boards and C-suite. The difference is I ask them for permission to be able to be authentic, to be able to be candid and honest. Mm. Do you really want to hear what I know about your data, how you compare to the market, what you are or are not doing, what the true opportunities you can achieve, what things that you just chose not to do that you can choose to do today? Mm. Do you really want to hear what that is? And they'll always say, of course. And then, of course, I will just tell them. <laughs> I will just, you know, and I, I try, and sometimes, you know, when I talk to the chief diversity officers, CHROs, chief human and people officers, sometimes they'll say, well, Pam, you're just really a little too raw. Can, can you, can you clean that up a little bit? I'm like, oh, of course I can. So I'll say, well, you know, there's always a story to be told and there's progress <laughs> to be made and there's milestones to, to be achieved. And so you mm -hmm. made some progress. 40 years ago, 50 mm. years ago. Okay, very little, but mm. you made some, but not clearly enough. So we will always recognize what you've done and where you are, and that's very important, but that's not what's going to, you know, sustain you and make you the great corporate, you know, citizen or the great leader, mm. you know, that you are today. So I, I um, you know, so I, I would say, you know, today a younger person would definitely need to have Spencer, their sponsor, their mentor, mm -hmm. their advocate, their allies, all of this um, in their multiple multi-dimensional circles of connectors together to make sure they are in the position having the support to have those conversations. And then for me, um, I mean, it's different for me because I'm invited to these tables as mm -hmm. that expert. And I welcome the level of uplifting, you know, that my book is going to bring, the PR people are going to bring. Because mm -hmm. when they ask me a question, it's a data, it's, it's an informed answer based on current data, current mm -hmm. my decisions um, and insights that I provide are based on realities. They're not yeah. guesses, right? They're not yeah. assumptions. Well, these are exactly what's happening. Um, this is, you know, exactly mm -hmm. what needs to happen. And this is what you can elect to do. So, so, so those are, you know, uh, th th that's probably the advice that I would give. But I definitely would not sugar for me today. Yeah, no sugar coating. You know, um, I don't get comfortable. Stay in a place mm. of discomfort. You know, mm. welcome to my world. Stay in a place of discomfort, and that's yes. okay. That's okay. Just, just get to a place where you can speak up and speak out, but let your privilege be the one mm. that that opens the, uh, the roadmap to advantage for others. Let your privilege be the ones to dismantle, you know, what's there and shouldn't yes. be, right? As we do, you know, I, I will do that based on my privilege, but when you get into certain workforces, you really need um, the white uh, peers and leaders talking to that. What I, what I love That's true. is that people recognize it, that they're willing to, and that's, yeah. Right. That's the difference. If you, you got to find the folks that are willing to. Mm. And, and it comes back to your point around showing up, how you show up, what you're standing for. 
So Pam, on that then, about women in leadership, women taking up space, women at the table, the term future is female is, is very well known. What do you believe the future holds for women in leadership? Well, there's great opportunity for, for the future um, for women in leadership because um, women in uh, certain industries are predominantly in the workforce and then women in the workforce are the larger group that's prepared to be advanced. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's white women, when mm-hmm. you break down the women that are even being advanced. Now, at certain levels, um, when you look at the C-suite, particularly North America, uh, and actually in, in, in global markets too, it's not real different. In some countries, it's worse than North America. Mm-hmm. Women are not the future. Women yeah, are yeah. still back in, um, you know, the feminist days and some of how men look at them. So women are the future in, I would say, uh, coming in terms of building the pipeline. They will, I see mm-hmm. the next decade, women advancing faster as they have been in the past decade. They've been advancing at double digit numbers in management and uh, senior leadership roles than any other group, than, than, than their male counterparts. And white women have been the more favorable group because they're the larger group prepared to advance. But the reality is uh, women on boards, women um, in the C-suite running major fortune 1000 companies, women in global markets running these major organizations still are not there. So um, women is the future because that opportunity exists for them to lead. But mm. we, we have, the reality is we have a ways before we will actually achieve it. Definitely. The opportunity, I mean, it's an amazing time to be a woman. The opportunities are endless. We're taking up the space. And also, I think the allyship and sisterhood is really coming to the front around how we move together through this journey of career leadership empowerment. I mean, great segue into our last question for the pod. So we like to ask our phenomenal woman, which woman would you want at your dinner table and why? Well, you kind of said it. You said you started off with be brave, be bold, be inspired. My unequivocal inspiration is from Maya Angelou. Mm -hmm. Ever since I was in college and had an opportunity to study under her, (laughs) actually, and she's not only the greatest poet of, um, of this time, of, of, they said, this era, but she is a woman that has incredible wisdom in times mm-hmm. of crisis and ordeal. And to be able to, if, my God, to, you know, she'd be in her 90s, and to be able to have her sit across from me and, and say, you know, Maya, too much is giving, much is expected. But the trial sometimes makes you feel rejected and you don't feel that you can be um, the master that you, um, you want to be or, mm. you know, so how do you, how, how do you stay resilient in the face mm. of all of the uh, d- destructive behavior and things that are going on around the world, knowing that others are suffering. And, you know, and she would say, you know, in her own reflective voice that um, it's within you to be the best you can be to empower others to be a part of your legacy. And Mm -hmm. then that's how you continue to build and tell your story one seat at a time. And mm. she just, I just so many, so many inspirations from her because she'll just sit back and then she'll write it and she'll tell you, be brave, be bold and be inspired. Um, she, she will save just, I mean, energies from you. She will, uh, young women like you, get us mm. inspired that sees the collective power in women when I may see women not being so supportive to other women but then mm. you see women being supportive of other women. Um, and Maya Angelou will say, and that is the future. That is, that is who you should wrap your, your vision, your spirit and everything around the Inga Davis mm. because they're going to be the change agents. 
And she would remind me of that. And mm. that what would continue to keep me being bold, being brave, and being inspired. Thank you for sharing that, Pam. I mean, that's quite something special that for most of us listening, we know Maya as the famous poet, not knowing her very personally. So, so coming from a point of you've been taught by her to really have experienced that energy in a close setting is, I can only imagine what an inspirational and transformational time that must have been in your studies. Yes. Yes, it was. It really was. And then just to follow her for the rest of my life was, yeah, yeah. normal. And, you mm. know, other women that later were able, like Oprah, to, mm. to have her there. And that was just, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it for me. And of course, you. I'm always inspired by the next generation and the creativity and energy that you bring. Thank you so much, Pam, for sharing your story today and holding the space with us and just going through your journey again, being reflective um, and giving us a peek inside of, of your journey and how you've been bold and you've been brave and you've also been inspired on your journey through many women and through all the sponsors and allyships and networks that you formed. But for the listeners, you can reach Pam on LinkedIn and you can also drop her a mail at pam at diversitymbamagazine.com. I'll pop all the handles on the site and in the comments below. Feel free to leave your comments down below. We'd love to hear your journey of being an influential woman and how you keep raising the bar. Thanks for listening to Her Bold Story and remember to be bold, be brave and be inspired. I can't believe it. We wrapped up season one. I want to end by saying thank you. The first season has been a success because of our guests. A big thank you to our phenomenal women of season one for sharing their story, for lifting us as they rise. A heartfelt thank you, of course, goes to you, our listeners. Thank you for sharing, for commenting, for the likes, for the engagement. We hope to come back in September fresh, energized, and with new stories to share from more phenomenal women. Between now and season two, we'll still be posting content from time to time. Remember to follow us on Instagram and the herboldstory.com website to make sure you're not missing out. Until then, be bold, be brave, be inspired. Her Bold Story in proud association with 168FM.